how to get into jazz. It is Derek G6 Volumes. I am your host, content creator, radio host, DJ, whatever you want to call me, Discord mod, <laughs> Derek G here. And I'm very excited to talk about this because I'm thinking qualified, is that the right word? I'm uniquely qualified to talk about this. Uh, and I think that jazz can be quite daunting or seen as quite a snobby genre, which is sad because I have such an affinity for it. So I thought I'd create this today to be an introductory podcast, text, tome. Uh, is there a thesis to this? <laughs> I forget but whether I need to do one for every single one, but I think that it's rather than a thesis of an idea, this is more of a, a guide because I'm here to help and stick around to the end because I have the appendix, which has one, an apology, <laughs> which I'm very, um, you know, interested to address. And then also I want to talk about where I've been at in this journey because it's been a, it's been an interesting couple of weeks and uh, I don't know, I feel like sharing as well. So stick around to the end. So. Why do I think you should get into jazz? Well, it's such a wonderful, even though it's kind of like there's a there's a ceiling to it, uh, genre that I think that a lot of people get intimidated by for unfortunate reasons because it can be so, quite complicated, quite uh, aggressive in its sound often and can really not have an easy entry point. And so disclaimers first. The disclaimer is... I'm not an encyclopedia. I'm not a musicologist. I'm not a historian. So what, as you know, in this podcast, I share with you is my personal experience and my personal love for it. So I, I strive to provide my own uh, context and love behind it more so than uh, a history of. So I want to disclaim that because I think it's important that you don't see this as the one-stop shop to to learn everything about jazz because there's many books and Wikipedia pages to go off for that. But until you read that, you have this. What are my qualifications to talk about this? Well, I guess as every music fan, like deep music fan, I don't know, is that even a thing? I'm generalizing. A lot of people want to learn more about it at some point in their lives. And so I went down the very typical course in a good way of like, uh, I've told a story once before about the Rolling Stone top 500 albums of all time list when I was quite young and picked that up from a bookstore and then devoured it and then listened to a lot of it. I'm pretty sure that's where I was introduced to it. You know, Kind of Blue was high up there. Love Supreme was high up there and I just started buying those records and listening to them and, and forming a relationship and opinion on it. That doesn't give me as much qualifications as uh, in my radio journey, which you heard on the last episode. Thank you for sharing and listening to that. I was invited to host a spiritual jazz show on a local community radio station, which basically defined a huge part of my music taste because I didn't know a huge amount about spiritual jazz, but I was like, I want to be on radio. Let's do it. I like jazz and, and built up quite a collection of that type of jazz because of it. Then I played jazz on my radio shows uh, on NTS and elsewhere. And then I became a Spiritland 
uh, resident DJ, which is a beautiful hi-fi bar in King's Cross in London at a certain point in my life. And I got to play those out loud on big sound systems. And for what it's worth, if you want some numbers, uh, I have a Tokyo jazz playlist that has 20,000 Follows on it, people hit me up all the time saying that they love it. <laughs> Even sometimes I look up what, what the conversation is about my content and um, a uh, person talked about it, how much they loved it on Twitter, uh, who happens to be an OnlyFans creator. Creator? And I just, I thought it was wild that like so many people from so many different walks of life are into that particular playlist. So... There's not really qualifications, but it's more to say like, hey, I'm not not knowledgeable. I'm not not I'm not some person that's picked up one record and and <laughs> decided to talk about it. So yeah, the context. I think obviously, obviously, uh, jazz has its roots in in blues, African American popular culture. It has roots in. Uh, ragtime it has roots in for for more than a hundred years and I think because it is largely largely instrumental music it doesn't have a huge amount of uh, kind of through line or I guess be able to pierce the armor of the mainstream uh, in any particular way I think that it is often seen as boring lounge music or intense and in the oftentimes when I have experienced people saying they don't like jazz it is because they're like oh it's just ugh, it's just too noisy it's gross and I get it and that free jazz is not my thing I think that is its own level of headsy that is should should and is respected but can like delve into like math rock you know in terms of like oh it's so intelligent in these ways which but it's more like um, the kind of abstract fine art that you have to be along for the ride. If you know the album Captain Beefhearts um, and the Magic Band, um, whatever that album's called, um, that Trap Master Replica is what it's called. You have to be in for the ride of how weird and, and abrasive that album is. Otherwise, you're not in for a good time. Would I play Trap Master Replica at a party? No, because I want friends. But do I think it's an amazing record? I actually do. So, but that's not, I'm not lobbying for free jazz here. So I think that it can be a, a, a quite a barrier of entry to most people. You don't hear it on the radio, uh, tracks are usually improvised and often times can be 20 minutes long. So, you know, it's hard for a lot of people. So what I would like to do as I pull out my telephone is I'm going to play you a TikTok that I made regarding this because i think it is the starting of this discussion point around jazz because i think that there is a particular trope that is actually quite important in terms of as you as you if you're watching this on youtube as you see me looking through my phone to uh, find this video but i think that it is a very important and very unique step of getting into jazz i found it it has 140,000 views, which is nice. Uh, I'll put it up on screen and we can listen and then we can react to it. If you're wanting to get into jazz, here are my top five picks. First up, we've got Miles Davis. 
there is no other album in any other genre that is as ubiquitous in terms of the first recommendation than Kind of Blue by Miles Davis. And I've been thinking about this so much. Why, if you say rock album, what's the best rock album to start with? No one, no one can agree on that. You know, electronic album, house album, hip hop album, there isn't going to be a consensus. But Kind of Blue, there's a consensus. Why? I'm going to break it down. Firstly, I think jazz can either put people to sleep or really turn them off because it's too free. And this is the loungiest album you can get without being lounge music because it has a modal jazz element to it. So it's it, there's enough improvisation. It's beautiful, but it's not challenging. Secondly, the first track is just like a warm hug. It's like walking into a nice fancy hotel. It sounds nice. It's welcoming. It is calm but it is intriguing enough to make it not sound generic. Thirdly, it's a gateway. So you have Cannibal Adderley, you have Bill Evans, you have John Coltrane, and it, you can kind of go like, oh, what do you like on this? Do you like the piano player? Do you like Miles Davis, obviously? Do you like the saxophonist? Maybe check out their stuff. So it is, there's not many places where it's like a super group where you can immediately dive deep into different discographies from there and explore more. I think the funniest answer of all is that people that recommend this album, including myself, want people to like jazz and get into it. And I think you can scare people off quite quickly with going like, listen to Chick Corea, for example, or you want people to like it because they're like, jazz is fucking lame because they think of like, be better without, kind of like scatting jazz, or just like background music. And you want to go, there's something challenging enough to listen to, but don't, I'm not going to recommend you something that's going to like blow your eardrums. You know, so at the end of the day, I think it is quite sincere. It's quite nice that almost everyone's come together and said, this hits that line right in the middle. Start there. We hope you like it. Enjoy. Yeah. So there you go. So that was in me responding to a video of a record store recommending what albums you should listen to if you want to get into jazz. And if you want to talk about music snobbery, I think a lot of people wouldn't want to recommend that album because it's so obvious. It's like saying, you want to get into pop rock, then listen to The Beatles. And it's like, well, yeah. Uh, but Kind of Blue is an important record because it kind of, and a dangerously important record because it defines so much of jazz. Because leading up to that record, uh, it was a lot, it was getting even more experimental in a way. It was with bebop, it was very frenetic. It was very energetic, but it also is in that category of like, you you know, in that classic kind of like jazz bar sound, it's like clicking fingers, tapping toes, fast music. And what Miles Davis was able to do is be more exploratory with the sound, be less about structure and more about feeling. And uh, I, that album is, <sighs> incredible if if you know me in sound systems if you ever just want to to feel like the the high watermark i know this sounds like a lot of of instrumental expression geez you can't really get much better than kind of blue it's stunning put that on a nice sound system it's it you know it's it's it can make you cry i don't know if i've cried over records before I cry a lot generally, maybe that's why, but it gets you close. So I think that why I say it's dangerously important is because I think it 
definitely defined a lot of what jazz was kind of perceived to be. So you've listened to Kind of Blue. We kind of established ground zero of jazz appreciation. I think what's important, I had a friend in the studio when I was doing the Spirit House radio show and he listens to classical and some indie and that's about it. And I was trying to explain why he should enjoy it, why it was special, why it was good. And I think it's important to kind of frame how to listen to it to an extent. The first concept that I want to discuss is modes. Modes is really important, which is basically when they talk about modal jazz, they're talking about, again, not a musician, but they're talking about a scale and also a theme that has been designed around this scale. And it's chosen in a key, minor, sad, major, happy, and they explore this mode, right? So rather than having a song, which is like, say, um, my favorite things by John Coltrane, that's a song and it has a structure and it has um, a clear melody and chord changes that everyone's following through. Modes are not that. It's more like, to kind of put it as plainly as possible, someone like Miles would go, um, we are using these two chords for the entire song. I am now going to choose a theme. So the theme is kind of what they are kind of, so the mode is the floor. The theme is the walls, right? And and that is in, in the case of kind of blue, da-na, is the theme really. Da-na, da-na, da-na. You know, and, and then what happens from there is you've got the floor and the walls and now you can decorate and you can decorate however you like. And that means improvisation. That means call and response. It means building on top of an idea that someone had made prior. So in the case of Song Like Miles, Miles starts with the trumpet and then we go into Coltrane with his tenor sax and then he might go like oh i i really like what miles did at this part here and i'm going to take that bit and then do something else with it and like it's not something that you listen to and go i don't listen to jazz and go oh he just took that from there but it's 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 about this flow of having this the freedom of these modes to be able to then dive into and elaborate on. It's almost like a conversation. And this can seem very over-intellectualized because it is, because I don't sit there thinking this. To me, the brilliance and beauty of jazz is when it feels like everything's been let go, everything's so free, but it's also got like a very musical structure to it that it's not free jazz, you know? So, there are parts where you just it just hits right, and they've hit the 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 mode or the theme it has a particular way that it's progressing. People are playing off each other, 
And maybe it just strikes this thing where it transitions to something that everyone hits on at the same time. And you just go, whoa. And um, it's unlike any other genre in that way because everyone's trying to respond and conversate with one another, but everyone's trying to be in the same place at the same time. Whereas like, say Led Zeppelin and their 20 minute tracks and solos, you'll have Jimmy Page playing a solo for 10 minutes. You have John Bonham doing a drum solo, everyone walks away. It's not that same to and fro. And I remember saying that to my friend at the uh, radio station. I'm like, just listen, listen, listen to this part. Okay, he's finishing up now and the other person's coming in and and doing their bit and just just wait you know this is they're not doing this twice like the, whatever happens here is not happening again and you can tell i'm quite passionate about it what i've got coming up is labels uh different types and my favorites but first a message from my new sponsor hell yeah which is turntable lab so Turntable Lab has been a trusted source for audio gear and records for over 20 years. They specialize in turntables, turntable setups, and accessories. Everything for both beginners and hi-fi enthusiasts. The Lab also operates as a dynamic online record store with over 100,000 records in stock. Do you think they got kind of blue? I would say so. Take advantage of their four or more deal where you automatically get 10% off when you purchase four or more records. Check them out at turntablelab.com. Also, there's a little Derek page, turntablelab.com forward slash Derek. I've put a few things in there that I own, would own, or would recommend. Not that many things, 15 things. So if you want to check that out, the link is now in my description. I didn't do that last time. I did an ad read because I'm new at doing ads, but hopefully I'm an old hand, a dab hand at doing ads soon because... That means the podcast is doing well in it. Thank you, Turntable Lab, for sponsoring. Thank you for everyone for congratulating me on a, on a sponsor. We love to see it. So labels is a very good way of getting into jazz to look into some of the greats. There are hundreds, if not thousands, of jazz labels. Blue Note is the the jazz label in many ways i have a playlist called blue note uh with all my collection of wavs and mp3s <laughs> idiot uh but it is the definitive like it has such a span of incredible incredible albums and if you look into blue note not only do they have incredible albums they have incredible Iconic cover designs from the 60s and 70s, mostly 60s, that are just pieces of art, modernist typographic art. So that label is very important. Impulse is very important. ECM is a, a low-key, big-time favorite of mine. It is a Swedish label and have a huge discography of more of like European jazz. So uh, Bobo Stenson is, is an artist I love on, on that label, but it's more, um, I guess European jazz is the best way to describe it. It is less uh, frenetic and less free than 
American jazz. It's a lot more uh, uh, almost atmospheric and ambient. And they've got so many good things. And that is, I, I dreamed of being having a label like ECM one day. It's just the, the cover arts are beautiful. And uh, they've really curated an incredible, incredible lineup over a long period of time. Verve is the other really important jazz label. Uh, and has, it's still current. It's still putting stuff out that is really worth your time. And I, one last one is Jazzman. That um, is Jazzman Gerald. Uh, who has a record label out of London who digs up and reissues lots of jazz and has a compilation that you should check out called Jazz Man. Um, no, called Spiritual Jazz, which I have a couple copies of that, which is like a compilation of some of the best spiritual jazz that you've never heard before and is very rare and interesting and cool. I probably should have left that till later, but let's go from that to more of the uh, stickier stuff, which is the types of jazz because there are so many because we want you to have a good understanding of the breadth of it and maybe something you'll hear from this is uh here are the ones that i might want to check out here are the ones that just don't sound like me because just like anything if you say rock music there are so many genres with guitars whether it's grunge or shoegaze or punk or not that punk is called rock but you know what i mean i think uh there's classic rock, there's yacht rock, there's so much. So jazz on its own, a bit prohibitive in terms of discovery. Modal, like I said, is the most fun, beautiful, accessible version of jazz, which is led by the likes of Miles Davis, mostly a lot of modal jazz on Blue Note. Um, also uh, mid to early John Coltrane and... Kenny Dorham and Wayne Shorter and, and people like that are in that category. And so ugh, do you type in modal jazz? Not really, not really. But it's like if you use kind of blue as a base of like what modal jazz sounds like, stuff that sounds like that. I don't know if I'd go out there saying, I like modal jazz. I don't think I've ever said that in my life. But yeah, that's one. New jazz is, I would say anything from the 90s up until now, I think new jazz has a soul element to its sound and is kind of in that, uh, I think currently is very much in the London jazz scene. Um, Kamal Williams, I think is his name. There's there's kind of, uh, and not that... Um, Deval Timothy is fully part of this, but kind of because he's kind of like a cross between jazz classical and, and you know, ambient sometimes. But new jazz is more of the, I remember when I lived in London, it was a bit of a parody and a bit of a joke and it was a bit mean, but I loved it because I was adjacent to this world. But um, the new jazz lad was a derogatory term used for gentlemen in chore jackets in beanies, in horn-rimmed glasses, and listened to new jazz or was in a new jazz band. Hilarious. I can say that because I I, I have had horn-rimmed glasses. <laughs> um, I'm not a beanie person. I've had chore jackets, and I do enjoy some new jazz as well. So a new jazz lad is a great, cruel but kind uh, <laughs> tease. Spiritual jazz 
is my favorite subgenre of jazz. It is rooted in the exploration of spirituality, of transcendent transcendentalism. Transcendent oh, goodness me. I'm live. You know what I'm trying to say. Uh it what what is difficult about this genre is that it's kind of a catch-all for any spirituality in jazz. So it is said that John Coltrane explored this first in I Love Supreme. One of my favorite records of all time. That record is oh, no words, no words, no words. And he explored a spirituality with these psalms and um, spoken word and led on to a whole lot of other spiritual jazz uh, disciples in many ways. Um, Sun Ra explored this space, but more from an Egyptology uh, point of view. There is like this ethio jazz, which is like ethnic jazz that um, uses these sounds from different parts of the world, whether it's harps and ouds and tablas and things like that. Uh, there is there are artists that explore Islam. There's artists that explore Hinduism, and they and I will I'm going to be making a video a, a short form video about this soon. So I'll be putting a playlist very soon about it. But it's my favorite because it it explores not just you know modes and these themes and these scales, but drone and chants. And it's more atmospheric. It can be somewhat ambient at times. It's quite restful. It's quite meditative. It's beautiful. So, you know, I did my radio show on spiritual jazz. So that one, I think most people should find out about and enjoy because goodness gracious me, spiritual jazz is so wide. And um, pick pick a pick a region and look up spiritual jazz from that region, and it exists. And I think it's absolutely stunning as an experience. And I think. Uh, you know, Alice Coltrane journey in Sancha Dinanda uh, was my one of my early introductions to spiritual jazz, uh, and obviously John Coltrane's wife, um, and a lovely, lovely harp-based spiritual jazz record. And I, you see that a lot in people recommending albums, and it's a good one. It's a good one, and it's really cool, especially because uh, there's not many women in jazz. To be honest outside of certain categories segue vocal jazz vocal jazz swing whatever you want to call it uh is where most women exist in the jazz world so ella fitzgerald incredible singer you know scattered um a lot which was mimicking you know dizzy gillespie type runs with the voice uh billy holiday um what's her name Peggy, uh, you know the one. Peel me a grape. What's her name? I'm thinking Peggy Goo right now. Um, it'll come back to me. Uh, vocal jazz is I. I have an, a fondness for it in a romantic sense, almost like doo wop. I like I love Ella Fitzgerald. I love Billie Holiday. Uh, is kind of separate, almost. It's closer to pop music because they they sing standards. Um, there are those elements of like bebop type singing and, and jazz to it, uh, is, but it's definitely more on that. Like when people think jazz is like uncool, 
they think of like the the like you know in Lost in Translation, there's that um, red red haired lady that was in the jazz band at the um, Park Hyatt, and she's like, you know, it's kind of like very much lounge jazz background in the corner, cheesy, um, but it is part of jazz. Soul jazz is really cool. I like soul jazz a lot. I think soul jazz really was the most prominent in the 70s and is Donald Byrd is a good example. Uh, the Heath Brothers is a good example. Uh, there is a whole raft of just what I guess Donald Byrd is a good example where it's got more vocals in it. Uh, it's more soul inspired. But then you've still got jazz chords, you've got improvisation as well. Um, and there is, I guess, it's not really talked about as much. Because when people say jazz, soul jazz, is, it's, it's, it's almost closer to soul music. Um, but Donald Byrd is kind of like almost a high watermark of, of that genre. And one of my favorites, to be honest. There's Gypsy with... Um, I should have written all these names down. I'm now trying to re retrieve every single one. Django Reinhardt. Thank you. Thank you for your patience. Django Reinhardt. Dun, 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 dun. Um, very fast uh, acoustic guitar, gypsy jazz. Uh, when I first started getting into jazz, I got into Django Reinhardt because it's what you're meant to do, I guess. But it's not something I listen to all that often, to be honest. Um, I think it's, it's, uh, it's fun. It's also quite... Uh, trapped in its own little world free jazz uh is is intense is a lot more less about modes and more about complete freedom and if you look at like it from an abstract art perspective it kind of makes sense because if you think about it traditional jazz is, is more vocal jazz is more bebop uh to an extent and then you've got Modal jazz, which is more impressionist, and then you've got free jazz, which is more abstract. Uh, I wouldn't start there. I don't. I don't. I don't have. I still don't have the guts to really go to free jazz. To be honest, I don't. I don't know at what point I would listen to it to really enjoy it. So, just a word of warning. Bebop. I've done a video in the past about bebop and its uh, relationship that uh, Jean Michel Basquiat had to it. Bebop is fast it is frenetic it is dizzy gillespie it is thelonious monk you hear these names they're classic names they are reflecting the unrest of the times they are dropping the rules of kind of like classic slow traditional jazz and it's really cool and if you i, I swear not that i've tried it you could go for a realm tour you can really get a lot of energy from it it is not free jazz, but it's getting closer. It's like a hurtling train. And um, I recommend it. I think the only way you should listen to bebop is loud. Otherwise, it's going to be annoying. Acid jazz. My dad likes acid jazz a lot, which is kind of more developed. Correct me if I'm wrong, but in the 90s and 2000s, maybe late 80s, which is more like uh, a mixture between like electronic sounds uh, vocal jazz, uh, modal jazz, and uh, is a bit like more cool and more like verve 
did a lot of acid jazz in the late 90s that my dad loves. Not my favorite genre, but it's there. Afro-Cuban is another one. Says it in the name, Afro-Cuban jazz. Mixtures of both sounds, instruments, and rhythms. I love that album a lot. There's actually some really good Afro-Cuban albums that are on Blue Note. Big band swing is actually when I was saying traditional jazz, I think that like big band Duke Ellington type stuff is kind of very much like coming from that earlier jazz of being more of the kind of bandy inspired um, traditional uh, song structures that are good. Uh, I listen to that less personally. Lounge jazz, basically like defiant it's basically the chill lo-fi hip-hop of jazz so for what it's worth that one is doesn't give jazz a good name yeah it's like lo-fi hip-hop it's like it's cool you can't hate it it's also not really moving anything forward uh ethio jazz ethiopian um, lots there. There's so many different jazz types from around the world. Ethio jazz is a really cool one. Um, and uh, a lot of great artists from there, Mulatu being one. Um, so let's talk about some of my favorites really quickly. Uh, John Coltrane is my absolute favorite because whilst dying, passing away at, in 1967, put out an amazing spiritual jazz works, you know, worked on beautiful modal jazz records has great live albums, has a deep discography. I like the saxophone. Who doesn't like the saxophone? Everyone kind of grows up wanting to play the saxophone, right? If you kind of feel like you hear like cool jazz and stuff like that. Uh, Wise One, as I think I've shared before on my platforms, incredible song. So many good songs from John Coltrane. I think he's just like, you know, the, the I think in pop culture, he's known for Giant Steps, which is a very complicated, the key changes every like two bars or something like that. I like that song. It's wild. It's not what I listen to to enjoy John Coltrane, but I just think he's like, he's an alien from another planet. I think there's a good documentary on him as well. Charles Mingus, um, Black Saint and the Sinner Lady. Chaos. Chaos. It sounds like New York in the 60s, uh, in the late 60s. I don't know. I wasn't there, but that was one of the records that I first picked up for jazz and was like, what is this? It's like part theatrical, part uh, modal, part chaos um, with these like haunching kind of, you know, themes that kind of just trudge along and then go really beautiful into these like landscapes that just, just blow your mind. Uh, Wayne Shorter recently passed away. Um, not as, not definitely not underground, but definitely not as talked about as much, but, um, it just has beautiful records, beautiful, beautiful records. Um, Freddie Hubbard is similar in terms of, um, I quite like Freddie Hubbard and Wayne Shorter equally, uh, have some lovely, lovely tracks, obviously try to look towards their sixties and seventies stuff. Like Miles Davis was <laughs> doing stuff in the eighties and it was like quite intense. Miles Davis did things like bitches brew, which was quite intense. Miles Davis isn't on this list. I like Miles Davis. I like him less than the others because I think that the others went to interesting routes that or routes that uh, Miles went so far that like that kind of like gets a bit too experimental for my ears. Lloyd Miller uh, is a 
uh, American that studied uh, ethno uh, studies and uh, and music and jazz, and ended up going to. Uh, I have to remind myself of it, but like um, Persia or you know wherever uh, Persia. <laughs> You know, he was into uh, the more Middle Middle Eastern sounds, and then studied that, and then made some incredible records. Uh, Donald Byrd, soul jazz, fantastic. Newer artists, Matthew Holsell does some really great modal and spiritual jazz. Colin Stetson does some fantastic experimental jazz um, with a baritone saxophone. He's done horror scores as well. Just uh, wild, wild stuff. This actually leads me to the problems with jazz. To to kind of finish up, uh, I think that the problem with jazz is that it kind of hit a ceiling in many ways. I think that the the rules of no rules were set very early on, and. It's very hard. I, I have like sure. There's lots of different subgenres. Like I said, soul jazz is a progression. Acid jazz is a progression. But I think that because it's such a classic genre with uh, known for its brass instruments and its classic, you know, uh, instruments, drums and and guitar and things like that, it didn't really evolved to the point where it it kind of became mainstream or kind of became um too far from the source of you know the miles davis of the worlds and so didn't evolve into you know jazz hasn't made its way really into um into dance music or things like that or become electronic or things like that but perhaps jazz also had had its resurgence in the 90s with sampling and hip hop and tribe called Quest and East Coast rap and and jazz still finds its way with people like Joey Badass and 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 perhaps that is just what jazz has become and so maybe it hasn't hit a ceiling but I think that the golden era kind of stayed. Take soul music, soul and R and B has evolved over time to be defined as different things to different people, whereas jazz you can't say like. 80s jazz is like a whole different language to 60s jazz is not. I think one really interesting thing, this is getting really nerdy, is that you can't, it can't sound the same. What the beautiful thing about 60s and 70s jazz and, you know, anything around that time is that it uh, was recorded on tape and tape is alive. Tape is something that if you don't master it and put it to wax soon, that it will degrade and change the sound of it. It has an analog sound to it. And there is a recording process that sounds very analog. It's got a warmth. I know this sounds very audiophile, but trust me, if you listen to new jazz that's trying to play like Miles Davis and old jazz, you can hear it straight away. And if you like blind tested me or many people, you can tell straight away what's new and what's old. And I think part of that warmth analog sound, you can't, you literally can't replicate it. And so new jazz is really crisp, clear, clean. 
you know, a lot of these recordings for for old jazz was recorded in the same room. So there's this energy that comes with it. Whereas nowadays, I'm guessing everyone's in separate booths and everything's really like uh, soundproofed. And so it's hard when you hear new jazz, it just sounds different. It doesn't sound as good. I know it could be like, well, that sounds snobbish, but I don't, there, there hasn't been huge, huge, huge culture changing jazz albums in recent memory. You know, Kamasi Washington is, is, is a good recent example of a really talented, you know, newer jazz person. And I think how they've recorded, it sounds really good as well, but it's interesting, right? Lastly is, um, the lack of women, uh, in jazz generally as instrumentalists, uh, like I said, more in the vocal scene, I think that it's really difficult to point to many uh, females in jazz. Why is that? I don't know. I'd have to think about them more. I have to look into it more. Obviously, there's obvious things about the boys' club, patriarchy. Uh, you know where what rooms you're allowed to enter and all that sort of crap. Um, but I don't know why they're. You know, in other genres, soul, R&B, rock, whatever, you have presence, quite a bit of presence, maybe not as much a presence of women, but why not in jazz? Um, a problem, and I'm sure quite a deep problem, and I'm sure if I looked it up to any great extent from a historical point of view, there's probably some dark things there. So it is a problem and is unfortunate. But with all that being said, hopefully by the time we've gotten this far, you understand uh, certain language, certain things you should look for, certain things you should listen out for, maybe certain artists that you might want to get into or check out. And maybe that I've, I've painted enough of a picture of the world as to like the breadth and depth and uh, given more dimension to the genre for you. Because if I can do anything with this podcast is to help, help turn people onto music. Someone said dm'd or maybe to put a story up saying like i like what you do because i don't usually like people that turn music into content and that really hit me because i never thought about myself like that but it's true and that's not good necessarily because it's like uh art as content and entertainment but what they said was a compliment to me and what i try to do is not just churn out stuff and oversimplify things for my own personal gain. I am trying to put you onto music. If I can afford to do that as a full-time thing, I'd love to, but the, the, there obviously is a, a reason why radio hosts, journalists, books, conduits exist <laughs> because content, everything is content. So you know, nothing is perfect, but it was an interesting question uh, or, or, or idea that was put talked toward me to think about. Get into some jazz, please. Let me know what you found. If you like this, if you have people that might like this, share it with them because I'm here to help. The appendix. I said an apology, right? You've been waiting for this. I do want to apologize because in two weeks ago, I did a podcast about the fountain of youth with music. A friend of mine, Brian, was saying, oh, I was wondering if you were trying to be more uh, controversial with this podcast. No, I never have any intention to be controversial. I don't try to be soundbitey. I don't try to plan my, my, you know, sound bites that I clip up and put on TikTok. I just had some thoughts about how to not get stuck in your ways, but some of that came off controversial potentially. 
not to any extent, but even on uh, my Discord, people were like, oh man, Derek's really calling us out. What was I calling people out for? And what I'm apologizing for is um, band t-shirts. Because basically what I was trying to say is like, don't get for, don't get caught in the trap of materialism in music because music is an art form to be enjoyed as an experience more than it is a product to buy and hoard. I think where I feel bad about is that it did feel and seem like I was a bit snobby about people that wear band t-shirts that show their pride for music and support the musicians they love. And I feel bad for that because that wasn't really the point. And I think that I I chose, and this is not an apology in a way that there's any like pitchforks, but I want to acknowledge it because I don't, I have a couple, couple, I have a couple band t-shirts. I wear them sometimes. I think honestly, honestly, when I psychoanalyze and go deep down into what the source of what I was trying to say or what I was reacting to is that I find vinyl record collecting, which I have some, it can be a um, quite uh, prohibitive to a lot of people who can't afford it and therefore can become often an elitist type of music fan that feels like if you're not, you know, part of this gang, then you're not really an appreciator of music. It's not all of you. Most of you guys listening to this probably have some vinyl. I'm I'm in that category too. But I think that it was really a reaction to people that are like, my vinyl means that I'm more serious than you. But I think like records are expensive. Buying physical these days, especially internationally, especially is expensive for shipping, for pressing. They used to be a lot cheaper. And I I, I think I was reacting to that more than anything. Does that help or did I make my argument worse? But yeah, wear your band t-shirts, support visually how you like music. Just, I guess, think about how the, how one can easily turn a, a love into a, a place where um, it excludes people, I guess, is, is was my uh, uh, stance. Lastly, this last couple of weeks have been really interesting for me. And this is not the normal podcast, like a Bill Simmons podcast, where like he just talks about sports and then it's out. I think that you guys have more of a relationship with me. I've got Discord, I chat in there. You know, I talk to, I answer in the comments and things like that. It's, I've realized more than ever about like the game of, of content creation and mental health. And uh, I now respect more than ever people that have been doing it for a long, 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 long time um, because it's hard. It's hard to um, not take it personally as Nolan White, uh, uh, I was chatting to on Instagram about said, because if you get a, if you, if your, if your views go down, if numbers don't reflect certain things, for me, it was having like a lot going on in my personal life and then trying to make fun content for people. Um, the cloud comes over your head and it can get quite dark. Uh, for me, my disposition is more towards just like uh, frustration and uh, can feel a bit like, what am I doing? And I think uh, I feel like I've, I've come out the other side of it. I, the analogy that I can, I shared and what I've learned is that like, it's almost like 
cutting back a a, a, a tree, a branch, a, tree, a, a shrub. I don't know. I'm not a gardener. A plant in order for it to thrive in the next season. I think that's what it was. I think I, I needed to go through a, a period of uh, shaking all my leaves off and some leaves dying and it looking a bit gray. And then you cut it back and, you know, then you come out the other side feeling inspired and reset, I guess. So, yeah, I'm human. There's ebbs and flows with this and I'm still new at it. And uh, I've realized, you know, I've done maybe 15, 16 episodes of this now every week now. And it's, uh, it's fun. And uh, it's been uh, really exciting to explore and expand. And I, uh, on that note, thank you so much for listening. And hopefully you go away from this having written down some names. Go listen to A Love Supreme. My God. My God. Go listen to that. Enjoy your week. Sleep well. Eat your breakfast. Drink your coffee. Have a cake once, maximum twice a week. <laughs> and I'll see you next week.